this is a reading from the book of Philippians. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all God's holy people in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with the overseers and deacons. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God every time I remember you in all my prayers for all of you. I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. It is right for me to feel this way about all of you since I have moved you, since I have you in my heart, whether I am in chains or defending and confirming the gospel. All of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how long all of you with the affection, how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. And this is my prayer that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. This is the word of the Lord. Well, good morning. morning. You know, I look forward to Sundays now because... For whatever reason, as we hit the new year, Drew's becoming more and more exciting in his announcements. So thanks, Pastor Drew. (laughs) I never know what's going to happen. My name's Paul. I am the senior pastor here. For those who are visiting, thanks for taking the time to join us. We are thrilled to dive into a new series today. But before we do so, would you bow your heads with me as I share a brief word of prayer? Dear Heavenly Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. And in the oldest prayer of the church, we pray, come, Holy Spirit, come, in Jesus' name, amen. Friends, when you think of joy, who comes to mind? When you think of joy, who comes to mind? During a Monday night football game on January 2nd, a gut-wrenching hush fell across Paycor Stadium in Cincinnati, Ohio, and within football fans around the world as DeMar Hamlin, a starting safety for the Buffalo Bills, lay on the field fighting for his life. The young man had just suffered a cardiac arrest following a routine tackle, And the reports coming out of ESPN and other outlets stated that the 24-year-old native of Pittsburgh was not breathing. The scene, as many of us witnessed, left millions speechless. Frankly, the scene left many scared, right? Thankfully, DeMar's life was saved that night through the heroic efforts of the medical teams of both the Bills and the Bengals and the University of Cincinnati Medical Center, and coincidentally, we've since come to learn a lot more about this young man. What have we learned? Well, we've learned that Damar is not just a football player. No, Damar's a young man who seems to care about others more than himself. Since that Monday night game and that heart attack, we've learned he's not just a football player. Damar is a young man with the gift of encouragement. 
the gift of encouragement, where he loves to cultivate joy in the lives of those around him. This incredible character trait, or should I say commitment, of Damar was beautifully captured in a story less than a week after his heart attack when his bills went on to face Wes Roberts' New England Patriots. It all centered on another young guy named Niam Hines, a friend of Damar's, in the kick returner for the bills. As relayed by journalist Peter King, quote, when Nick Folk of the Patriots kicked the ball high into the air, headed for Niam Hines inside the five-yard line, Hines had a lot to think about. He thought about DeMar. First and foremost, nine weeks ago, Hines was the new guy. Traded from the Colts to Buffalo to be a return specialist and a backup running back. And Hamlin... Damar Hamlin, a stranger to Hines, came up to him on his first day in the building and he introduced himself. Every day that first week, every single day, Hamlin would stop and talk to Hines, the new kid in school, so to speak. And he started telling the new guy, he'd break a long one soon. You're gonna take one, Hamlin told him. I can feel it. And every day at practice, every single day, Hamlin would say something about a big return. He would say, hashtag free Heinz. Heinz would later report. And they'd say that little thing almost every single day. And uh, Hamlin reminded the new kid not only that he could take it to the house, but he would take one to the house. And so the ball was coming from Falk in the first game back, on the first playback since Hamlin's heart attack. And Heinz thought for a millisecond about DeMar watching in his Cincinnati, Ohio hospital room over 400 miles away, and he said to himself, all right, Niam, let's give them something to cheer about. Said Hines later in the day, our team, we had DeMar's wings on our backs today. And Hines certainly did, for he ran that opening kickoff 96 yards back for a touchdown. Touchdown, touchdown, touchdown. The football world watched in disbelief, shared later by the coach of the Bills, Sean McDermott, trying to manage the game as number one, uh, the number one uh, part of my job. But this week I thought to myself, now how special would it be if we took the opening kickoff back? And guess what? They did. Specifically, he did. The little guy, the new guy, the guy that DeMar had encouraged every single day. He took the opening kickoff to the house all the way back for a touchdown. How special is that, right? I just love this line. Our team, we had DeMar's wings on our back today. That's quite the picture, right? Words of encouragement giving Heinz wings. Yet, friends, listen, there's more. The little guy didn't just take one kickoff back for a touchdown. Wes, how many kickoffs did he take back? Two. He took two back last week for touchdowns. Listen, in the third quarter, the little guy, the new guy, the guy that DeMar had encouraged every single day returned yet another kickoff uh, for a touchdown, 101 yards in front of 70,753 screaming fans and millions that were watching on TV. One Fellowship, you cannot make this stuff up. 
The Bills would go on to do what, Wes? Win the game, 35 to 23, sorry, Dave, and dedicate their victory to whom? Damar, their friend and beloved teammate. Quite the story, right? Our, te- our team, our team, we had Damar's wings on our backs today. One fellowship, when you think of joy, who comes to your mind? Is it a friend, a classmate, a coworker, a mentor, or perhaps someone in our church like Butch or Kathy or Jim or Savannah? As we press into this new year together, I'm thrilled that we're starting a new series specifically around the book of Philippians. Why? Because in it, we find joy, joy, love, encouragement, and joy. Friends, let me ask, could you use more joy in your life today? Could our world use more joy in the world today? You bet we all could. Thus, we're going to dive into this New Testament book over the next few months and find what? Joy. What it's all about. This leads us to our big idea that we're going to unpack today through the first 11 verses of Philippians. Friends, joy is our capacity to know that we are loved at all times and for all time in the gospel together. Joy is our capacity to know that we're loved at all times and for all time in the gospel together. And we'll unpack this through two points. So point one, joy is our capacity to know that we are loved at all times in the gospel together. Starting with chapter one, verse one, we read, Paul and Timothy, servants or slaves of Christ Jesus, to all God's holy people in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with the overseers and deacons, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God every time I remember you and all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. A little background on our, con- excuse me, on our text. We don't believe there's a text without a context here in our church. So what's the context of the book of Philippians? Well, it's a story I just love. First, this book was written by Paul, not me, but the apostle Paul. Known as the greatest missionary in the history of the world, Paul was on his second missionary journey to spread the good news about Jesus and to start new churches. When in the middle of the night, he had a vision of a man from this place called Macedonia, which we now know as Northern Greece. And this man came to him and said, quote, come over to Macedonia and help us. In other words, help us understand the gospel. We read about this in Acts chapter 16. So obeying what he believed to be a call from God, Paul and his companions, his three amigos, Timothy, Silas, and Dr. Luke, made the long trek to Macedonia and landed in a city called Philippi. It was a city of around 10,000 or so. And now if we look at the custom of the Apostle Paul throughout the New Testament, when he would go into a new city, the very first thing he would do was look for the local synagogue and meet with the local Jewish leaders. As a former Jewish leader himself, this would afford Paul the opportunity to share the gospel through the lens of the Old Testament and the emerging New Testament and generate honor, understanding, and prayerfully speaking, conversion. However, listen, when Paul and his companions first entered Philippi, guess what? They found no synagogue in that city. 
Why? Because there were not even 10 Jewish men in that city at that time that could establish a quorum to launch a new synagogue. But do you know what they did find? Paul and his companions found a group of God-fearing Gentile women. And in that day and age, it would have been astonishing. Furthermore, as we go on to discover in Acts chapter 16, do you know where the first convert to Jesus in Philippi came from, signifying the first convert in all of Europe? The first convert came from this group of God-fearing Gentile women. Again, astonishing. Moreover, do you know through what group the first church in Philippi was launched? Thus, the first group that launched the first church in all of Europe? Through this group of women. We read about this in Acts. Again, astonishing stuff. The first church in all of Europe was launched through the service, perhaps the leadership of a Gentile woman. I don't think it's a stretch to say even us here today are part of that legacy. So in other words, God was doing something new, something fresh, something powerful. And as he would write this letter or book years and years later, do you know what he felt? Joy. Joy. Gospel joy. That's what he thought of and felt when he thought of the Philippians. Together, uh, the two groups, Paul and his companions and these Philippians, they had launched something special for the Lord, a beachhead for the West, for Europe and beyond. And uh, they had gone through so much together throughout the years. So let me pause right there and bring this into the room and ask this, or ask these questions. As you hear what I'm saying, do you have any family members or friends that come to your mind, people with whom you've laughed over the years, laughed with over the years, or cried with over the years, or celebrated with over years or prayed with, people with whom you have started something new and something daring, something fresh, maybe in a new season, or people to whom you have turned to in times of need or trial. For Paul, going back to our text, that was the Philippians. I don't think it's a stretch to say this was his favorite church that he ever started. They were always there for him and he was always there for them. Remember how I said joy is our capacity to know we're loved at all times in the gospel together? Well, looking at this letter of Paul's, this proves true when we come to experience true and transcendent gospel community. Partnership in Jesus together. And it all centers around this word, partnership. Partnership. In verses four and five, we read, and all my prayers for you, I pray, always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel. Digging just a bit deeper, this word partnership comes from the Greek word koinonia. Koinonia. Has anyone ever heard that word before? Give me a, a hand or a nod. This word koinonia means to share in a celebratory and robust commitment to the gospel together. It's also where we get the word fellowship. Thus, one, fellowship. That, you see, is what Paul shared with these people. Partnership, fellowship, koinonia, as they had shared year after year after year, spiritually, relationally, even financially, to advance the, the gospel together. And guess what? Following their lead and bringing this back into the here and now, that's what we're called to do together. Oh, you're, you're a misfit in need of God's forgiveness? Well, guess what? So am I. 
Oh, you, you've experienced the power of God's grace in turning your life around? Well, so have I. Oh, you need prayer as you're going through something tough? Well, so do I. Oh, you trust in the promise of the resurrection, Lindsay, and the life to come? Well, so do I. And you want to see your friends, family members, and neighbors experience the love of Jesus too? Well, so do I. It's life on life. Hope, friends. And ironically, listen, ironically, the more we experience this kind of life together, even through the toughest seasons of life, the greater our joy becomes. In the words of Tim Keller, founding pastor of Redeemer in New York City, community grows naturally out of shared experience. And the more the intense the experience, the more intense the community. Community comes together around deep beliefs and causes or powerful common experiences like going through a flood or battle together or a pandemic together and surviving when they or people come through it together, it becomes the basis for a deep, permanent bond stronger than blood. And that is what Paul had with the Philippians. Community, partnership, fellowship, koinonia. And guess what? It generated joy. See, Eric, through thick or thin, we're meant to stick by one another, encourage one another, forgive one another, and invest in the gospel with one another. And what will result? Joy. Joy. Transcendent gospel joy. This leads us to point two. Joy is not only our capacity to know we're loved at all times, it's also our capacity to know we're loved for all time in the gospel together. Returning to our passage, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. This one fellowship is one of the most powerful and famous verses in the whole Bible. Let me repeat it. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you, he will complete it. It will go on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Gospel joy, you see, uh, flows not only through partnership, but through promise. And guess what that means? You ready? It means, friends, God's not done with you yet. Jamie, God's not done with you yet. Lily, God's not done with you yet. Leah, God's not done with you yet. Brendan, God's not done with you yet. Colin, God's not done with you yet. You screwed up, God's not done with you yet. You have doubts, God's not done with you yet. Your body is falling apart, God's not done with you yet. You have fears, God is not done with you yet. Friends, listen, in Jesus, your failures are not final and this life is not as good as it gets. In Jesus, God's not done with you yet. He who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Friends, God's not done with us yet. And that one fellowship is good news. Amen? Yeah. A couple of weeks ago, I can't remember what parent shared this, so I won't out you. But someone shared that their kid is such a perfectionist that if they don't get their art projects exactly right, they tear them apart. If they mess up a drawing, they tear it apart. If they mess up a painting, they tear it apart. If they mess up a sculpture, they tear it apart. Well, guess what? God's not like that. He's not like that at all. God is not only the source of grace, he's the sustainer of grace. In other words, according to Paul, faith's not only believing that Jesus has redeemed you, but believing he will restore you one day. 
What do we read at the end of the Bible in Revelation 21? And he who was seated on the throne said, behold, I am making all things new. Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. So friends, as we enter this new series in a new year, hear this, God's not done with you yet. Dylan, he's not done with you yet. We're not only called to hear it, we're called to believe it. And listen, when this principle that some call the perseverance of the saints takes root, how will you know? Well, here's how you'll know. You'll be able to take a deep breath. Join me. You'll be able to be patient with yourself and one another. You'll be able to live by grace and not by works or some man-made scorecard. And you'll be able to approach each day with joy. Not circumstantial joy, but relational joy, transcendent joy, divine joy, where you will hear God say, I know you and I love you and I will make all things right in time. Yes, that includes even you. God's not done with you, friend. Joy is our capacity to know that we're loved at all times and for all times in Jesus, in the gospel together. That's what Paul wants us to take away from these opening verses of his book. A joy that comes from partnership and promise in the gospel. So allow me to share one more story as we enter this new year together. In 1464... The committee in charge of the decoration and maintenance of the Florence Cathedral in Italy commissioned a giant sculpture of David, the celebrated biblical king who defeated Goliath as a, a boy. Now, according to sources, this commission first went to the artist Agostino, who began with a large slab of marble from a quarry in Tuscany that would have looked something like this. Now, for reasons unknown, Augustino abandoned the project shortly after he began. Next, another sculptor named Antonio Rossellino was hired in 1476 to complete the sculpture. That's 13 years later. But again, according to reports, the second artist quit almost immediately, citing the poor quality of the marble. This then left this huge marble slab out in the elements for the next 25 years. Finally, in 1501, a new young 26-year-old artist was hired to complete the work. His name? Michelangelo. And following the completion of the sculpture in 1504, one of his contemporaries would say of watching Michelangelo complete the work, it was like, quote, the bringing back to life of one who was dead. That's interesting language, isn't it? The sculpture David by Michelangelo has been celebrated throughout the centuries as one of the finest works in history. And today the statue, Gino, you might have to correct me, but the statue now stands at the Galleria dell'Accademia in Florence, Italy. Did I get that close to right? Close? Okay. Why do I share this story? Well, I share it because if you've been abandoned, abused, or taken some hits in life, that doesn't mean you're worthless or need to be thrown out. It doesn't. Like Michelangelo and this giant slab of marble, 
Listen, he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. God's not done with you yet. So friends, this year, we can look for joy in a lot of different places, in a lot of different people and things, but listen, you'll never find a joy that is shared or promised like you will in Jesus. You won't. So as we step into 2023, I want you to say to yourself, your family member, and your friends, God's not done with me yet. And God's not done with you yet. And one fellowship, God's not done with us yet. And this is good news. Joy is our capacity to know that we're loved at all times and for all time in the gospel together. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we all come, if we're honest, beaten and bruised. And yet you love us through Jesus. You say you're not done with us yet. That you'll carry the work you've begun in us on to completion in him. God, fills with joy, unspeakable, transcendent, lasting joy as we partner together and as we claim these promises together that you're not done with us yet. We pray this not only for ourselves, but over our families especially those who are suffering today. Meet them right where they are. Love them right where they are. Carry us through this year with gospel joy. For our good and your glory, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.